even in the book of Daniel, when God said to Daniel, you must pray. As God says to us this morning, pray without ceasing. But the law was made. Daniel found himself commanded not to pray. And yet Daniel still goes, as his custom was, to the window and prays. And he was thrown into the lion's den. We come this morning to the three friends of Daniel. Daniel had three friends. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were obedient to government. They actually were promoted to these high positions under the government, under the leadership of Nebuchadnezzar, where Daniel himself was a high official in this government in Babylon. But then one day, they were instructed to bow down to an idol. It was then that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we cannot do it. Because this command, this new law, is contrary to the laws of God. And it's then that they stood when everyone else was falling to their knees. Turn, please, to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. And we need to understand what is taking place in this chapter. Uh, Babylon was uh, the great nation of the world during this time. And they invaded Israel. And they carried away men and boys down into Babylon. Three of those young men, four of those young men, were Daniel and his three friends. They were carried down into Babylon. And we first meet Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel chapter 1. And there they refused to defile themselves with the king's food. That was a great test of theirs. Here's our food, the king said. They said, we're not going to eat it, for we will not defile ourselves. They passed that test. And now we come to chapter 3. And this is the story of the fiery furnace. This is the story in which they were commanded to bow down to this golden image. It begins with another test. They were tested in Daniel 1, and now they're tested again in chapter 3. Follow with me, verses 1 through 7. King Nebuchadnezzar, he made this image of gold. It was 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide. And he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the advisors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all other providential officials to come to the dedication of the image that he had set up. So the satraps, the prefects, the governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other uh, provincial uh, officials, they assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. And then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, 
the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. The first test of these three young men is found in chapter 1. This is the second. King Nebuchadnezzar, and I believe probably inspired by the great vision and dream that he had in chapter 2. You remember when he saw that great statue in that dream and the head was gold and the rest of the body was made of precious metals? And Daniel interpreted that dream and he said this, he said, yes, Nebuchadnezzar, you are that king of gold, but there are other nations who will come along and defeat you. You're not going to be in power forever. Well, Nebuchadnezzar, being the proud man that he was, he didn't want to believe that. He wanted to believe that he's going to be in power forever, that no nation will ever be able to come and defeat him. How dare these inferior kingdoms think that somehow they're going to defeat me? And so I believe that what he did in chapter 3 was he made this image of complete gold. In other words, saying, we're not going away. Babylon is here to stay. There are no inferior nations who are going to come along and somehow overthrow us. We are here to stay. And so he's exalted himself, and I believe the statue symbolizes uh, the perpetuity of Babylon, that we will never be defeated. And so he, ex he, he has the statue erected 90 feet high, 9 feet wide, in the plain of Dura, and gives the command, you bow or you burn. You bow or you burn. When the band plays, you better bow or you're going to the furnace. You know, we're given choices every day. Every day we have a choice to make. Many choices. God's way or the world's way. Rick Warren in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, he said that all of life is a test. We're always being tested. Are you going to trust me? Will you do things my way or will you do things your own way? I can only imagine the pressure that was on these three young men who had to make a very quick decision. The command was given. When you hear the band play, you bow or you burn. That's quite a test for these foreigners Remember, these are Jews who are now living in a foreign land. Notice the young men charged, starting at verse 8. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, 
May the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither, neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you have set up. There was no time lost reporting the fact that these three young men did not bow down. It says these astrologers who apparently were quite jealous and envious of these three foreigners who have been elevated to prominent positions in Babylon. Very jealous of these Jews, these foreigners. They're very quick to run to Nebuchadnezzar and report the fact that these three have not bowed down. The charges they gave, number one, they have no respect for you, your majesty. Now that wasn't true. That wasn't true. There, no place do we see where these three men had no respect and honor for Nebuchadnezzar. That was just a false statement. The next two charges are true, however. They don't serve your gods, certainly true. And they did not bow down and worship your God. That's certainly true as well. You see, these three young men, they refused to follow the crowd. They refused to compromise. And they were determined to stand out against this evil thing and remain faithful to God at all costs. And in this case, they knew it was death. You bow or you burn. And everybody bowed down except these three. How often do we hear, well, you know, everybody else is doing it. That's not what they were thinking. It might be that everybody else is doing it, but we're not. We're willing to stand alone. Point number three, the young men arraigned. Verse 13. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar says to them, now try to formulate this picture in your mind. Here is the king. Here are these three young men right in front of him. And he says to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the... Wow, I'm getting tongue-tied. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, zither the lyre, the harp, and the pipe, and all kinds of music... If you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. It's almost like he's giving them a second chance. 
giving them the benefit of the doubt. Very good. But, but if you do not worship it, you're going to be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the, the God we serve is able to deliver us, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Nebuchadnezzar, after this report, after these astrologers come in their jealous rage against these three Jews, Nebuchadnezzar, the Bible says, is furious. But then he brings the three before him. And he finds it quite hard to believe these astrologers that any, any person would defile his orders, let alone these three who he thought highly of as he promoted them into positions in the kingdom of Babylon. And so he asked the question, is it true? I think actually assuming that they never would deliberately disobey a command. It must be just a mistake. Uh, maybe they didn't quite hear the music right, or um, they didn't hear the instructions quite right. So maybe we'll give them a second chance. But the response of the three young men found in verse 16 was an admission of guilt. When they said, we do not need to defend ourselves before you, we don't have to defend ourselves, they were saying in essence, what you heard is true. We admit our guilt. But we also affirm our faith in God. We affirm our faith in God. And God will deliver us. We serve a God who is going to come along and, and save us and rescue us from this fiery furnace. But they said, even if he does not... That's often a hard saying, isn't it? God, we pray, would you please heal me? But even if you don't, God, would you, would you save me, God, from this situation? But God, even if you don't, we're still going to trust you. We're going to still love you, God. We're asking you to do this, but if you don't do it, God, we're still going to remain true to you. And that's what these three young men said. We believe in our heart of hearts that God's going to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we're not compromising. Even if he doesn't, we're not going to compromise our faith in God. We're still not going to bow down. You know, sometimes we know the will of God is unpleasant. You know, God's will is not always pleasant, is it? Sometimes God has a certain will for us, our family, that just isn't pleasant. The suffering, the, the pain, the trials, all of these things. 
And yet here are these three who say, even if God doesn't save us, remember Job and all that he's been through? He said, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. God's will for me, Job said, might not be life. If it's death, I'm still going to trust him. So here are these three young men. They didn't make up excuses. They said, we're going to trust God no matter what. And then they're sentenced. In verse, 16, verse 19, Nebuchadnezzar, he was furious again. <laughs> In verse 19, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded such uh, some of the strongest soldiers in the army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, their trousers, uh, turbans, and other clothes, they were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men firmly tied, they fell into the blazing furnace. Nebuchadnezzar, he's mad again. He's furious. He was just told by these three young men that they deliberately stood and did not bow down to that image. And he orders the furnace to be turned up seven times hotter. And the three young men to be thrown in. Remember last week we looked at the walls of Jericho that came tumbling down. And I asked the question last week, why does God make us wait in situations when he already knows what he's going to do? I mean, if God already knew that the walls were coming down, why make these armed guards and the priests and the why lap the city seven times and then or six times and then seven times on the why does God make you do that if He already knows what He's going to do? If God already knows that He's going to deliver these three, why does He make these three go through this whole ordeal? wondering whether or not they're going to burn up or not. Now, they're pretty convinced that God's going to save them, but I, I'm sure in the back of their mind they're thinking, but what if he doesn't? I mean, really, what if, what, what if we go into this furnace, and this is not going to be a pleasant experience? Why does God make them go through that? And I made this statement last week, and I think we have it on the screen. No, we don't. Let me just read it. I said, God wants to do something in us before he does something for us. God wants to do things in us before he does something for us. And at the very least, in the lives of these three young men, he's teaching them that, that God remains faithful to his word. We read in Isaiah chapter 43 these words. Let me read them. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. 
When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Life is all about being tested by God. There are three young men who decided they are not going to conform to the world. They are not going to compromise their faith. They're going to remain true to God. The Bible says that we are to be conformed, but to be conformed to the image of God's dear Son. And we're not to be conformed to the world or to allow the world to squeeze us, as Paul tells us, to squeeze us into its mold. Well, the young men are preserved, starting at verse 24. Well, then King Nebuchadnezzar, he leaped to his feet in amazement. He was close enough to be able to see into this blazing furnace. He jumps to his feet in amazement, and he asks his advisors, weren't there three men that were tied up and threw into the fire? And they replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, well, look. I see four men, and they're walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come over here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they came out of the fire. And the satraps, the prefects, and the governors and royal advisors, they crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Nebuchadnezzar couldn't believe his eyes. He expected ashes, a cremation, And he looks into this blazing fire, and he sees not just three, but four men, and these four men are walking around. And one looks like the son of the gods, according to verse 25. I believe, and I think most commentators believe, that this was a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. You know, when God wanted to appear in the Old Testament, it was always the second person of the Trinity. Before Jesus became flesh, before God became flesh, there in Bethlehem, the Christmas story. In the Old Testament, the second person of the Trinity certainly was still in existence, right? The Trinity was always in existence. And so when God appears in the Old Testament, for example, here in human form, it's always the second person of the Trinity. It's a pre-incarnate, before God became flesh, pre. In the Old Testament, God appears, but it's the second person of the Trinity. So here was a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. You know, God doesn't always protect us from trials and troubles and tribulation. But what God does promise is that Jesus will walk through the fires with us. That when we go through those storms of life, Jesus has promised to never never, um, forsake us, to always be with us. 
We're not always protected like these three young men were. We oftentimes, we go through some very, very difficult times. But God always promises to be there for us and with us. For the Lord is in the fire with us. The last point then is this. The young men are honored. Look at verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar, he said, Praise be uh, to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and de- defied uh, the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble, for no other god can save in this way. Then the king promotes Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar gives God credit for all of this. However, we read in the next chapter that he falls back into his old proud self. Um, So it almost appears as just a a flash in the pan right here. You know, he saw this great miracle. He understands, I mean, doesn't understand what he saw, but he he knows what he saw. And so he kind of gives credit to God. But again, in chapter 4, he goes back to his own old ways. He was very impressed by this dramatic deliverance, this great miracle, which it was. But it reverts to who he was in the next chapter. As I come to the conclusion of the sermon this morning, I want to look at a commentary by Rennie Showers. I know many of you uh, know him. He was here a couple of times. And um, I bought a book when he was here. Uh, on the book of Daniel. This is his commentary. And this is how he concludes um, this chapter. At the end of his commentary, he gives four lessons. um, And I want to read these as, as we close. Several lessons should be learned from this amazing incident. First, although human government is ordained of God, Governmental authorities can abuse their God-given power by commanding things contrary to God. Nebuchadnezzar, he did this when he commanded these three young men to bow down and worship this idol. Sometimes government abuses their power. Second, when human government commands something contrary to what God commands, The saint of God must obey God rather than man. Now that's exactly what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. They said we must obey God rather than man. Daniel did the same thing when he was ordered to not pray. He went to the window as his custom was and he prayed. Third, when the saint of God disobeys human government, In order to obey God, he must take the consequences of disobeying the government no matter the results. Daniel's friends, the consequence was to be thrown into the fiery furnace. God does not choose to deliver his saints in every instance. However, it is at such times as these that the saint must recognize the fact that he exists not for his benefit but for God's. If we're going to choose to disobey a law, then we have to 
suffer the consequences that comes with that. Fourth, if the saint survives the government's punishment, he is not to advocate overthrow of the government because it abused its power. After Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were delivered by God, they continued to serve the same king that punished them and threw them in the fire. They did not demonstrate against him, nor did they start a movement to overthrow him. So what happens? What happens if the government says, you cannot pray in public. It's forbidden. And you decide to go over to eat at Denny's. And there's someone standing by the door in authority, just watching. And it has been your custom. When you go out to a restaurant, you pray before you eat. What do you do? Father, we pray this morning that you might give us the strength, that you might give us, Lord, the ability to be able to stand up for you. Father, it's easy to be here in this church service when we know we can go to Denny's this afternoon and not worry about praying. But what if? What if? Father, we live in interesting days. I pray for the grace to be able to stand up for you and not compromise our faith. Father, these are hard sayings, but true. And so we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close by singing this song, Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner, it must not suffer loss. From victory unto victory his army shall he lead, till every foe is vanquished and Christ is Lord indeed. Let's stand, 456, 456. We're going to sing all four stanzas and we'll be dismissed. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner, must not suffer loss. From victory unto his army shall he lead, till every foe is vanquished. Christ is Lord indeed. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Trumpet call obey. The mighty conflict. This his glorious day. Ye that are men now serve him. Against unnumbered foes, courage rise with strength to strength oppose. Stand up, 
Stand up for Jesus in his strength alone. Ye dare not trust your own. Put on the gospel. Put on with prayer where duty calls or danger, never wanting them. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, strife will not be long. To him that overcometh, crown of life shall be with the King of glory shall reign. <coughs> we again, Father, we thank you for your word. Your word, Lord, at times can be sharp. It at times will penetrate to the dividings of sunder of soul and spirit. Lord, as the sermon this morning did, your word did, Father, to think that someday we might have to make a choice. We might have to suffer consequences. So, Father, prepare us now. Help us to grow. Help us to be strong. Help us to know your word, to be in prayer, so that if, when that day comes, Lord, we will be like these three young men and choose God and not the world. Thank you for these things and pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. I